Job chapter 1 <coughs> and verse 1 in your Bibles, please. For verses to get through this morning, so I hope you can uh, stay fixed and focused. We'll wait for the kids to settle down. If we can get that door perhaps closed, and then that way we can get into our time in the Word. Amen. Yeah. Lord, the Lord is good to us that we can gather together like this and be around God's Word at this time uh, without the fear of persecution or someone trying to break down the doors or um, rip our Bible from our hands. We get to have the liberty to uh, read from it, study from it, hear from it, and uh, most of all, live uh, what God teaches us. And I hope and pray every one of us has come with that mindset that we would not only be hearers of God's Word but doers, uh, lest we deceive ourselves. Amen. We want to live out what we hear and we want to do it for the glory of God and we want to do it with the right motive out of love for Him. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. We'll read that one verse and uh, we'll get into the sermon this morning. Let's bow our heads before God. <clears throat> Father in heaven, Lord God, we do come before you and we thank you, Father, for your great grace that you have given to your people that we can be gathered together here today without the fear of persecution that we can hear from your word, Father, that we could uh, not only hear from your word, be challenged, that we can be challenged from your word, comforted from your word, dear God, and that you would minister to our hearts and that you'd continue to have your way in all that we say, all that we do, all that we think. Father, I pray that every area of our life will be submitted to you under the control of your spirit and that we would be able to serve you with the grace of God. Father, I pray that you teach us, help us to be ready listeners, and help us, Lord, to be ready doers of your word today. We pray that if there be anyone in this room that doesn't yet still know you, Father, and as their own personal saviour, we pray that you'd minister to their heart to have your way with them, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Job chapter 1, verse 1, there was a man in the land of Oz whose name was Job. There was a man perfect and upright, one that feared God and eschewed evil. Today I would like to look at several things from the life of Job that characterizes some Christian virtues that we as believers are actually uh, instructed to do today in our time as Christians. Since we're on the topic of walking in good works, uh, it is fitting to continue to look at the life of a man that lived a godly and righteous life in his day and learn from his witness. God is always looking for a people, doesn't matter which time, God is always looking for a people that has a heart for him and have a heart to do what is right. Second Chronicles 16 verse 9, for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of who? On behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. God is always looking for a people that have a desire to please him, to walk uprightly, to walk with integrity and have a moral upright life, a life that pleases God by faith, a life that exhibits a love for God and a love for others. Deuteronomy 6 verse 4, the Bible says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thy heart, and thou shalt teach them dil diligently unto thy children. Look at verse 12. Then he says, Beware lest thou forget the Lord, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, which no doubt predicts salvation. So even the Israelites that were delivered from the hand of Pharaoh out of bondage, out of Egypt, were some, somewhat delivered uh, you know, uh, out of, into the uh, land of promise, were given instruction to live right or upright before the Lord. Verse 24, And the Lord commanded us to do all these statutes, to fear the Lord our God for our good always, that he might preserve us alive as it is at this day, and shall be our righteousness if we observe to do all these commandments before the Lord our God as he have commanded us. So there's no different uh, you know, today as it was back then. God, with the Great Commission, has given them instruction to his disciples and us today as a church to go out, teach all nations, right, salvation, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and to what? And to teach them to observe all things, whatsoever I've commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world, amen. And so 
uh, is no different. You know, salvation always leads to a life that is uh, walking upright before the Lord. And so we, as we were looking in the past sermons, we are saved unto good works. We are saved to walk in them. Amen. And so we see a man named Job that was upright before the Lord. He exhibited a godly character that pleased God. Now, how many of you today will agree with the fact that when God gives a description on a person's character, that is a true diagnosis? Amen. This is our biography uh, uh, from God about Job. A true testimony about his life. In verse 1, it talks about that Job was a perfect man. In other words, he was complete. Uh, he doesn't mean that he was sinless. It just means that he was blameless and had a desire to walk a walk that pleased God. By the way, Job was aware of the sacrifices of God. He sacrificed on behalf of his children also. He would have perhaps even sacrificed on his own behalf. And Job was well aware of the Savior that he saw through the eyes of faith. In Job 19 verse 25, For I know that my Redeemer, what? Liveth. So he knew his Redeemer, the Christ, to come through the eyes of faith. And God, no doubt, caused us to be perfect and above reproach. Amen? Every one of us. Remember when the Lord taught the Sermon on the Mount, he said to his disciples, Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven, what? Perfect. And so in this verse, it's in relation to how we treat our neighbor, our, more specifically our enemies. And, and Jesus says to pray for them. Uh, not to, to mistreat them or retaliate or be like them, but rather to pray for them. And so he says, be ye perfect. And no doubt, as you look at the life of Job, and at the end of his account, we see that Job interceded and prayed on behalf of his friends, and it pleased God. He is perfect in this area. And then it says he's upright. To be upright means to walk in righteousness and not to walk a crooked path or a, a, a corrupt way. Amen. And so Job was a man who walked the straight and narrow roads, if you would. He was walking the highway of the upright. He was a man who purposed in his heart to do that which was right in his day. The Bible says in Psalm 37, and the steps of a good man are ordered, in the, uh, ordered by the Lord and he delighteth in his way. Amen. We're told as Christians to pursue holiness, aren't we not? We're told as Christians to follow after uh, uh, righteousness and godliness, aren't we not? Every single one of us are told to do the very thing that Job was doing in his day. Thirdly, he was a man that feared God. Now, to fear God means to have a healthy, holy respect for God. It means to be in awe of God. It's, it, it's to simply uphold God in his right place. Uh, he's God. It's to see him as he is, holy and lifted up, and to be in fear or in, to be in awe of God, reverence God. To give him the honor that is due to his name. And Job did that in his day. Job didn't charge God foolishly, but rather he believed that he is. And he would have done it in the eyes of faith. We're told as Christians who were saved to look forward to the coming of Christ and his kingdom and to serve God with fear. Notice Hebrews, wherefore we see receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and with what? With godly fear. And, third, and fourthly, we see that Job eschewed evil. This word means to depart from evil or to turn away from. In other words, his back was turned away from that which was evil. And uh, the reason why Job can do this, the reason why he could shun evil and turn his back on evil and wickedness and, 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 and live an upright uh, life was because of that. He was pursuing God and to pursue God and to fear God is to turn your back from your wicked ways. Proverbs 16, 17, the highway of the upright is to depart from what? Evil. And we are told as Christians to do the same. As a matter of fact, several passages, I'll give you a few today. 2 Timothy 2.19, the Lord knoweth them that are his. And let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from what? Iniquity. 1 Thessalonians 5.21, prove all things, hold fast to that which is good, and abstain from all appearances of what? Evil. Romans chapter 12, verse 9, let love be without dissimulation or hypocrisy. Abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good. And so this is what the disposition of Job's life. And this is a disposition that God calls every Christian to live a holy, upright, God-fearing life, one that will eschew evil, hate wickedness, abhor it. And his own life and the life of our society 
in the life of an ungodly world, we ought to stand where God stands. And Job stood where God stood. Amen? He was on the side of God. Now in chapter 31, if you turn your Bibles there, we see a description detailed regarding Job's character. So turn, turn your Bibles there, if you, if you will, please, to Job 31. Job kind of behaves like the Apostle Paul behaved with the Corinthians in Job 31. Remember when Paul spoke like a fool uh, to the Corinthians when, when he gave a comprehensive list regarding the things that he went through as a true apostle of God. And he did so because he was undermining the false apostles which were trying to undermine Paul the apostle and deceive the Corinthians in the process. And so Paul had no choice. He felt compelled to say, okay, this is what I've gone through. This is what I've been through as an apostle of Jesus Christ. And he gives this extensive list, which he perhaps didn't want to do. He spoke like a fool. He wasn't boasting. He was just simply conveying the fact that God was with him and that God was the one that was upholding his character and helping him by his grace to do the very things that Paul by himself cannot do. And so Job is giving this characteristic of himself, not to boast, not to show himself up, but it was like his defense, if you will. It was because, you know, you've got to understand the whole context of, of, the, of the situation that was going on. Job lost everything or almost everything. Job lost his wealth. Job lost his family. Uh, uh, Job lost his health. The only thing that was left was Job's life and his wife. But even then, in a sense, he lost his wife because she kind of despised him. And uh, he was left with God. You say, well, what about his friends? Well, this is the whole context. You think that his friends would encourage him and, 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 and help him along, but no, instead they looked at Job and said, Job, now tell us what's been taking place in your, in your life. You've done something in your life to reap what you've sowed. I mean, come on, uh, you've lost all these things. Come on, Job, fess up, confess. Uh, have you been with a woman? Have you cheated on your wife? Have you done this? Have you done that? I mean, he was slaughtered by his friends with a whole list of accusations. And Job at this time felt compelled to say, Listen, I've lived an upright life. And right toward the end, he says, God's my witness. I mean, God, he was actually waiting for God to step in and say, God, please defend me here. And we know and understand that God gave a right diagnosis regarding Job. He was upright. Did Job sin? No, the Bible says he, he didn't sin. And so those false accusations, as we look, look into it, we know and understand that were vehemently false. They were actually talking out of ignorance. And in a sense, out of arrogance. And so he, Job is felt to, to be compelled to display his life before us and before his friends and those that would be hearing and looking in the life of Job. Well, it was almost like he was in a court and he was testifying, if you will. Now, by his testimony, we can learn a lot. We can learn from this godly man the way he lived and say, you know what? This is the way he lived. I want to live like that. Because God upholds him. God uh, ministers and says to Lucifer, hey, have you considered my servant Job? He upholds him in high regard. And so how does this life look like? This, 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 this man that is just, this man that's upright, that, that fears God and eschews evil. But we see a whole heap of characteristics. There's a lot of people, you know, blase say, yeah, I fear God, I love God. And I say, how's it look like? Well, there's an outworking. There's a lifestyle. There's, there's, a, there's a walking, if you will, of good works. And we want to see those different things, about 10 or 11. We'll quick, quickly go through for the sake of time. Uh, so let's have a look at them. Let's look at the first one. Job, number one. Write these down if you have a pen, taking notes. Number one, Job was a man of purity. And by the way, Paul says to Timothy to follow after what? Purity. And Job was a man of purity. In verse one, he says, I've made a covenant with my eyes. Why then shall I look up upon a maid? What was Job saying? Well, Job, let's understand that he wasn't a lustful man acting upon his selfish or sinful desires. He was well aware of his ability and capability to sin and act upon those sinful desires that he may have, that he was protecting his purity by making a vow. See, Job went as far as saying, look, listen, I've made a vow that I won't even look, let alone touch. 
A long time ago, if you guys, if you guys, if you, if you are accusing me of, of, of the reason why I'm in my predicament is because I've cheated or I've gone and committed adultery, I want you to think again. Long time ago, I made a vow that I won't even look upon a maid. Job's eyes was not full of adultery. Job was innocent in this area. He proposed in his heart, he purposed in his heart that he would not even dare to look or think upon a, a maid. As far as Job was concerned, he made a commitment that he would not entertain the thoughts of adultery in any way, shape or form. And Job was aware of the consequences for this sin. In verse 2, for what portion of God is there from above and what inheritance of the Almighty from on high? So he understood, Job understood that God was holy and he knew and felt uh, uh, that there is a consequence for sin. And he understood that God is able to deal with it. Look at, look at verse 3, Job understood that God deals with wickedness. It's not destruction to the wicked. Is, is, not this, uh, is not destruction to the wicked and a strange punishment for the workers of earth, of iniquity? Absolutely, he understood that. He, he understood that there is judgment that comes upon uh, people, but in, in, in respect, for me, being pure in this area, no, I haven't touched, I, I wasn't, look, listen, I haven't even thought upon a maid, let alone touched. And so Job was, it, uh, was not a, a ignorant of the fact that God sees all things. Have a look at verse 4. Doth not he see my ways and count all my steps? Yes, he does. He's the sovereign God. He sees all things and knows all things. And by the way, the sovereignty of God doesn't uh, you know, simply uh, overrule our responsibility. God's in control, sees all things, knows all things, and we have a responsibility to either reject evil or embrace it. And Job here in this area says, no, I haven't done this. Unlike those men that in the psalmist talk about God and say, is he watching? Is he really seeing what we're doing? See, Job lived an upright life because he knew that God was watching every step and he feared God. Number two, Job was a man of integrity. In verse five, we see Job begins to put himself on trial now. In verse five, he says, if I have walked with vanity or if my foot have hastened to deceit let me be weighed even in, in, in an even balance that God may know my integrity so Job has not in any way played the hypocrite if you will he's put himself uh, on show here he's put himself uh, to be scrutinized and examined and tested and he uses about or over about 12 ifs if you will he says if I have walked then let this happen he, his, he, he invites a right diagnosis and judgment for his acts, even if he has done something that wasn't even, you know, uh, brought to him. He didn't even know about it. He was willing to face up and confess and, and suffer the consequences. This is what he's saying here. Now, let me ask you a question. Did God know Job's integrity? Absolutely. Job, Job, God already knew uh, that he was a man that was upright. But now he's just simply saying uh, that if I've done anything, I'm happy to suffer the consequences. And by the way, he holds to his innocence. He's not saying, yeah, I, 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 I have. He maintains his innocence before God. And this is why he gives this disposition. But it appeared to Job that there were no one to help him or clear his name in this matter. He felt, okay, well, I'm on my own here. I've got these three guys bombarding me. And so now he simply says, okay, I'm happy to be scrutinized. And so Job is simply saying, if my way of life is vain, useless, wasteful, walking in adultery, living in hypocrisy, lies in deceit, let me be examined that God may know my integrity. And Job in, rea in reality was more than happy to be scrutinized not only by his friends, but God Almighty. That's a man that feared God. Proverbs 16, verse 2. All the ways of a man are clean in his own eyes, but the Lord weigheth the spirits. Number three, Job was a man that feared the Lord, as we know. In verse 7, he says, If my step have turned out of the way, and my heart have walked after mine eyes, and if any blot hath cleaved to my hands, we're simply saying here that if I've backslidden, and I'm walking according to my own ways, my own backsliding heart, my own wisdom, my own will. If I have not walked an upright or blameless life that fears God, and I have a blemish and a blot or a reproach hanging over my head, 
then God, don't bless me. Don't bless me. In verse 8, he says, Then let me sow, and let another eat. Yea, let my offspring be rooted out. Wow. Don't bless me in any way, shape, or form. And, uh, and in other words, uh, Job, uh, Job maintained his integrity in his work ethic, in his, in his job. Job, in essence, is saying that if I had any dodgy dealings in, in, my, in my business, then let another man profit from my labors. I've sown, let them reap. Let, let, let other people's home be blessed. Don't bless my offspring. And so... Uh, number four, Job was a man of wisdom. He was not simple or naive. I mean, simple ones are taken by a strange woman. You know that. Uh, we know Proverbs chapter 7, among the simple ones, there was a man that lacked understanding, void of understanding, and he was taken by a strange woman. Well, however, here, we don't see Job in any way uh, you know, taken or deceived or simple or unwise. He said in verse 9, if my heart have been deceived by a woman, or if I have laid wait at my neighbor's door. Look at this. Then let my wife grind unto another. Let others bow down unto her. What I've done, let, let, let it happen to me. Let me reap what I sow if I've done this. For this is, look at this, this is a heinous crime. Yea, it is an iniquity to be punished by the judges. So he understood it that day. As a matter of fact, under even the law of Moses, it was uh, punishable by death if he committed adultery. It's a wicked, heinous crime. And in verse 12, Job knew that this type of sin could effectively, effectively wipe out all that he has. He understood that. Hence his friends saying, what did you do, Job? Did you, did you, did you? You know, their friends are thinking that everything he's lost is because of his sin. He understands that. He's with them. I understand. What you sow, you reap. Or you're going to be judged for what you do. I get it, but I'm, I'm innocent. I haven't being deceived in this area. He's trying to maintain his integrity before them. This wickedness is, if dealt with, could simply bring Job down to zero. And Job understood the severity of that sin. By the way, let me stop here and just say, aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that there's forgiveness with God for those that have simply broken over their sin if they've committed it? Before I knew the Lord, my friends, I was just living in sin up to here. And I thank God there's a God in heaven that didn't mark my iniquity and judge me at that point, but offered his hand of forgiveness to me. In Psalm 130 verse 3, If thou, Lord, should markest iniquity, O Lord, who shall stand? No one, no one in this room will be able to stand. In verse 4, But there is forgiveness with thee, that thou mayest what be what? That thou mayest be fed. Is it up there? That's all right. Listen, the forgiveness of God doesn't cause us to go and do what we please and says, well, let's do it again. You know why? God will forgive us. No. The mercy and forgiveness of God causes us to go to him and say, God, you have been gracious to me. You've loved me. It, it, is, it is a should be a reaction to see God loving and kind and that love that draws man to him. It is the goodness of God, listen, that that brings us to repentance. The goodness of God, it's not there to be abused or misused or like these prosperity preachers want to preach today that, you know, this greasy grace, you know, that, no, listen, brethren, we are more accountable than what we were and what we heard last Sunday night because God has given us this, given us that and that and that and that and the more we have, the more we, we are unaccountable people and so we have more than Job. We have more than Job. And Job was able to live upright. How much more we? By God's grace. Amen? The Lord is merciful, verse 8, and gracious, slow to anger, plenteous in mercy. He will not always chide, neither will he keep his anger forever. He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us, rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that who? That what? Fear him. Fear him. And we know and understand that Job would have feared him because he saw God's mercy. He ran to him and understood 
Woe is me, who am I that God will forgive me, love me, have mercy upon me? You can only fear God when you see him as he is. A holy God that is willing to forgive us. What a God. Separate from sinners, yet sent his son on earth to save them, to seek and save. What a wonderful saviour, what a wonderful God we have. He says, as far as the east is from the west, so so far have he removed our transgression from us. Aren't you glad for that? I'm glad for that. I'm glad that God has removed my iniquity. This is what caused me to be in awe of God. This is the very thing that broke me, is that God will forgive me. God will forgive all that I've had done in my life. Yeah, I couldn't believe it. Jesus loves me. Yes, even me. That day I saw he loved me. Lay down his life for me. Look at this. Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that what? Fear him. This is not someone that simply comes to the Lord blase. No, someone that falls before him like Peter fell before the Lord and said, depart from me. I'm a sinful man when he saw himself in the light of the Savior and trying to challenge uh, uh, the, the God man. He saw himself. We need to see ourselves sinful people to run and obtain, if you will, God's mercy. And that ought to be, bring a fear in our life. Aren't you glad God forgives when we're broken? You know, David understood that. That a broken heart, contrite spirit, God will not despise. God forgives those that are broken. God forgives those and has mercy upon those that are, uh, simply see themselves as sinners in need of a saviour. Number five, Job was true in his servant leader. He was a true servant leader, I should say. A true servant leader. He was a wealthy man, very wealthy. He had maids and servants. Very wealthy, people working under him. But you know what? He wasn't partial in his dealings. Look at verse 13. If I did despise the cause of my manservant or my maidservant when they contended with me. In other words, he didn't take advantage of his workers. He, he didn't treat them like rubbish. Uh, he, he, didn't, he didn't abuse them or uh, you know, was condescending toward those that served him. They were more able to express their concerns with him if they had an issue and was ready to uh, listen. It was easily to be entreated, didn't show any partiality. He didn't treat them like second-class citizens. Job knew that if you despise them, if you just despise the poor, you are guilty of partiality. He knew that. And he says, I'm even clear in this area. I treated all men the same, even my own manservants and maidens. In verse 14, Job understood that if he was given... If he was to give an account to God, he would give an account with how he treated people. Look at verse 14. What then shall I do when God riseth up and when he visits? Uh, what shall I answer him? So he knows there's a day of visitation. He knows that God's going to rise up one day and judge the world. And if I treat my neighbor with disrespect and show partiality, I know I'll be judged for that. Job knew. Job was well aware of it. And, and by the way, James chapter 2 teaches us as Christians not to show partiality. Amen. Our job, by the way, let me just say our job description or responsibility does not give us a license to treat others lesser than a person. You, the man of the house that God has called you to be the head, doesn't give you a responsibility to treat your wife like a dog. The pastor is not given the responsibility to treat the members with disrespect, but everyone equal. You as a father, God has not given you uh, the responsibility to show partiality amongst them. By the way, if you do, you stir up anger in their life. You provoke them to wrath. And we can go on and on. God hasn't given the, 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 the boss at work the responsibility to uh, treat them any less of a person because they have a degree that's lower than them. No. We treat all men equal. As a matter of fact, it's a New Testament command. Masters ought to honour their servants and servants ought to honour their masters. We ought to uh, have respect and fear one another uh, uh, in the fear of God. Submit, the Bible says, sorry, to one to another in the fear of God, in your place, doing what God has called you. That's what Ephesians 5 talks about. And so Job was a true servant leader in this area. 
In verse 15, notice Job's uh, observation, if you will. I want you to see this. Excellent wisdom and understanding. Did not he that made me in the womb make him? (laughs) I mean, come on, you've got to see this. You've got to see this. You know what Job is saying? I'm a wealthy man. I'm a man of uh, prestige. People know me. You know, I've got so much cattle. He had a lot of cattle. He was a big businessman. And uh, but didn't didn't God make me? And didn't He make him? It's like He knew the proverbs. He said, "And did not one fashion? uh, Did not one fashion us in the womb? We have one Maker." He knew the Proverbs, amen. He knew Proverbs 22, verse 2. The rich and poor meet together. The Lord uh, is the maker of them all. He knew that. And so, you know, when God looks at us, he doesn't look at us in a different way because you've got money and you don't have money. And you're a man or you're a woman. No. Uh, For those that want to protest against, you know, equality, God is for equality, amen. There's just a different job description. That's all it is. They failed to see the job description. Uh, just because Job was a, a, a boss, a master, doesn't mean that he could mistreat his servants, and he didn't. That's the whole point of his testimony, amen? Number six, Job was a man of compassion. Job was benevolent giver. He, he freely and graciously gave to those who were in need. In verse 16, he looked after the widows in need. He says, if I have withheld the poor from their desire... Or have caused the eyes of the widow to fail. He's talking, remember, if, 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 he's giving these if, but he hasn't, he's innocent, he's just saying, Job didn't shut up his bowels of compassion. Uh, verse 17 to 18, he looked after both the fatherless, uh, fatherless and the widows. Look, verse 17, or have eaten my morsel, myself alone, and the fatherless have not eaten thereof. For from my youth he was brought up with me as with a father and I have guided her from my mother's womb in other words you know what Job is simply saying I, I believe he's saying that even from his early lifetime his, his youth that he would have compassion upon the fatherless and compassion upon the widows and what James says about that that's pure listen religion that's pure religion what is it Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this. Listen, to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction and to be unspotted from the world. Look, listen, it's one thing to stand for truth and we ought to and it's another thing to hold convictions and we ought to, but if we don't have compassion for those that God brings to us in in, in their need, then listen, that's not pure religion. I wonder how many people out there that fight on YouTube and debate, if you will, on, 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 on those platforms, how many of them are benevolent and looking after people and you don't have to be known about it. Don't let your left hand, let your right hand do, uh, see what you're doing. You don't have to be vocal about it. But how many people uh, that claim to be Christians are helping those that are genuinely in need? And I say it in, bra- in, in, in you know, quote, quote, unquote, genuinely. Genuine. And Job says, when I eat and I see someone that doesn't have any food, I don't eat my myself. I share my food. I share it. I look after those that are in need. As a matter of fact, he gives a description of how he, he, he helps someone. Verse 19 to 23. He says, in, if, in verse 19, if I have seen any perish for the wanting of clothing or any poor without covering, if his loins have not blessed me and if he were not warmed with the fleece of my sheep, if I have lifted up my hand against the fatherless and I saw my help in the gate, then let my arm fall off my shoulder blade and then let my arm be broken from the bone. Wow. <laughs> that's, that's heavy duty. He, that's heavy duty. Uh, he's just simply saying that if I'm not taking care of those that are in need and looking after them, if they need clothes, if I don't make them warm, if I don't, you know, and by the way, James chapter 2 talks about this as well, doesn't he? Amen? That the faith needs to be working, that you have this benevolent love for who? For someone that's in need. You don't just walk past and go, God bless you. And By the way, again, someone that's in need. A brother or a sister that's in need. John speaks about it. 
How can, how can, look, this is Job's life, brethren. This is before Calvary, before Pentecost, before the, the Spirit of God came. And he has this. He's, he's having this disposition. This is to, tells me that uh, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, forever, in character, in his character, and how he wants us to live in any generation. There's no excuse. And if you fail to live in their day, offer up a sacrifice. Confess. Be broken. In our day, we come before the Lord and we confess and we, we, we tell him our faults. And he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But we're broken. We fear God. We come before the Lord and say, God, I haven't lived like this. I want to live like this. You have created me uh, in Christ Jesus unto, unto good works, dear God. This is how I should be living. A lot of Christians live for themselves. They don't even care for others. They're just... Just studying the Bible, you know, just want to go live the Bible. Study the Bible, but go study what you live, amen? This is what we need to be doing, my brethren. A lot of people, like I said before, a lot of students of the Word, they study, 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 they get big heads because they don't have big hearts to live it out. If you don't live out what you know, all you're going to have is a big head. God wants us to have a head full of knowledge that will fill our hearts with what? Virtue, that we would live it out. Amen? Yes. What a, what a testimony from the life of Job. Look what he says in verse 23. For destruction from God was a terror to me, and by reason of his highness I could not endure. You know what Job knew? He knew the terror of the Lord and how God felt about neglecting the helpless and the hopeless and taking advantage of the vulnerable. Look at, verse, uh, look at Proverbs 15, 25. The Lord will destroy the house of the proud, but he will establish the border of who? The widow. Proverbs 23, verse 10, Remove not the uh, old landmark, and enter not in the fields of the fatherless, for their Redeemer is mighty, and he shall plead their cause with them. You take advantage of those that are uh, helpless and hopeless, and uh, you, you try to profit over them. God help you. And Job knew that. But Job was innocent in this area. He wasn't trying to uh, profit over the poor. He wasn't trying to take advantage of them. He was trying to help them. And he did, from his youth. He had this mindset. What an upbringing, amen? Number seven, Job did not put his trust in riches. He wasn't money hungry. He didn't love money more than his master. Although he was a wealthy man, he didn't make his money his God. Look at verse 24. He says, if I have, he says, if I have made gold my hope, or have said to the fine gold, thou art my confidence, if I rejoice because my wealth was great and because my hand hath gotten much. See, again, he's saying, if I've done this, I haven't, but if I have, let me be, let me be condemned, let me be judged, let, 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 let what's taking place now take its place. But what's taking place to me is not because I've, I've neglected you know, my responsibility toward God. I, I haven't loved money, by the way. You can be rich and not love money. It's the love of money that's the root of all evil. And you can be poor and love money. Did you know that? Well, we spoke a little bit about that. Joseph Arimathea was a wealthy man. He used his riches for the service of God. Money is not evil. It's the love of money and pursuing it that's evil. And he had money, but he didn't pursue it. He didn't make his God, uh, his, he, he, uh, gold his God. He didn't do that. Uh, Psalm 62, he perhaps understood the psalmist. He says, trust not in oppression and, and become not vain in robbery. If riches increase, look what he says, set not your heart upon them. Don't set your heart upon them. If your bank account somehow, maybe inheritance, or you've got you know, a, a big kind of paycheck or bonus or whatever, and it's kind of lifted up, your, don't, don't set your heart upon them. God hath spoken once, twice, have I heard this, that power belongeth to God. See what he says at the end of verse 25? And because my hand hath got, uh, gotten, uh, gotten this, you know what? Job knew and understand that his riches didn't come from himself. They came from the power that God has given Job to work with his hands. None of us can work with our hands and give us the strength and the ability and the mind and the brain to work without God. Amen? You're with me here today? No one. No one can function without God. Jesus said, without me you can do what? 
Nothing. Even the man that doesn't know God has, given, uh, has been given the strength and the breath of life from God. But for us Christians, if there's going to be or anything that, that is of eternal value, then we need to do it in Christ. We need to do it by faith. Trusting in, in, in increased riches can be a snare, but it was not a snare to Job. He knew how to handle his riches. He didn't allow his riches to handle him. The Bible says, Paul says to Timothy, but they that will be rich, or those that seek to be rich, will fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through many sorrows. Job didn't leave the things of God to pursue his own ambition. Number eight, Job did not put his trust in creation, but rather put his trust in the creator God. When you, he says this, sorry, in verse 26, I beheld the sun when it shined. Oh, sorry, if I beheld the sun when it shined or the moon walking in brightness. What's he saying here? Well, you know, and understand that people... Worship the creation more than the creator. People behold the, uh, the sunset. What a beautiful and romantic time. You're with your partner. Wow. But fail to behold the God of the sun. The God of the moon. Yeah, you see it in paintings today. People are in awe of sunset and sunrises and a full moon in paintings and we look at them and think, wow! And they look outside and they say, oh, that it's a mistake. <laughs> or it was an accident. No one created this. But they look at the painting and say, what a wonderful painter! And they worship the creature more than the creator. And Job is simply saying, I have worshipped uh, the, the sun or the moon more than God who made it. He remembered his creator from his youth. Oh, what, man, what we need of men of God to rise up that will remember God from their youth. Amen? They'll worship God more than what God has given them. We need more of that. There's a diminishing of young godly men. And like we heard on Wednesday, we need to flee these things and follow after. Oh, men of God, what a title to have. Paul talks to Timothy, this young man in the faith, says, Oh, man of God, what a title to have. I'd rather be called a man of God than the man of the world. Amen? Yeah, I'd rather be called a godly man than a worldly man. In verse 7, Job was aware of the temptation of forgetting God and giving the creature the honor more than the creator. He says this, and my hand have been, he says, and if my hand, or oh, sorry, if my heart have been secretly enticed, or my mouth has kissed my hand. <laughs> if I've been deceived to think everything that I've done and everything that God has given me, it's all because I've done it. My heart's deceiving me. And by the way, the heart is desperately wicked. It's deceitful. Mm. Worshipping the idol of the hand, statues if you will, thinking that these dumb idols can give you what God has given you and thinking that you, God's given you this hand to make has come from you. No, kiss the sun lest he be angry. God is the creator God of all things. And it's crazy how we see the people uh, worship the creature more than the creator. Psalm 115 verse 1, No, not unto us, O Lord, no, not unto us, but unto thy name give glory for thy mercy and for thy truth's sake. Wherefore should the heathen say, Where is now their God? But our God is in, in the heavens. He hath done whatsoever he hath pleased. Their idols are silver and gold, the works of man's hands. They have mouths but cannot speak, not, sorry. Uh, eyes have they, but they see not. They have ears, but they hear not. Noses they have, but they smell not. They have hands, but they handle not. Feel they, uh, uh, feel they uh, have they, but they uh, walk not. Sorry. Feet have they, but they walk not. Neither speak they through their throat. They that make them are like unto them, so everyone that, that trusteth in them. And he says, O Israel, trust thou in the Lord. He is their help 
and their shield. And so Job did that. He trusts in the Lord. He didn't put his faith in his self or his dumb idols. Look at verse 28. Job was well informed that God would judge idolaters. He says, This also were an iniquity to be punished by the judged. For I should have denied the God that is above. Of course. Idolatry is a crime. It's always been a crime. Israel was going pulled back and forth, pulled back and forth from the golden calf. Right from the beginning, Moses says, he's on my side. Joshua had to say it. Choose you this day. Elijah had to say it. And brethren, Jesus said it. No man serves two masters. And today we may not see the idol of a statue, but the idol of self is so prevalent in our days. A lover of self, more than lovers of God, is the number one idol today, isn't it? Sure is. Number nine, Job did not repay evil for evil. Verse 29, if I rejoiced at the destruction of him that hated me or lifted up myself when, when evil found me. He didn't repay evil for evil. As a matter of fact, Job didn't take pleasure when he saw his enemies fall. Job was governed by uh, his God without having malice. Proverbs 24 says, Rejoice not when thy enemy falleth, and let thy heart be glad when he stumbleth, lest the Lord see it and is displeased him. And he turned away his wrath from him. He didn't want to see the destruction of his enemies. And by the way, that's the heart of God. God rejoices not at the death of the wicked. Uh, would they be mocked in that day? Yeah, they'll be mocked because they refuse to uh, regard God's wisdom. Wisdom will laugh at them in that day because they refuse the instruction of God. Verse 31 Job did not even blaspheme with his mouth or sought any kind of revenge. Oh, sorry, verse 30. Uh, verse 31. 30. Neither have I suffered. Yeah, neither have I suffered my mouth to sin by wishing a curse to his soul. Oh, how the, 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 the flesh desires revenge and the tit for tat, and I want to get back and repay. And God sees that, and it displeases him. You know, sometimes we're treated with injustice, and over here, Job was treated with injustice. No wonder the Lord says, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, I will repay. Look, let me handle it. Injustice will always happen to the righteous. Mark it down, always. But don't take it in your own hands lest you be found like them. God will deal with it. Let him deal with it. And by the way, he'll do a better job than what we can. Leave it with the Lord. Amen? Yeah. Verse 31. It seems like Job's uh, friends, perhaps, or those that lived with him, wanted to take matters in their own hands. In verse 31, he says, If the man... If the men of my tabernacle, in other words, those people that dwelt with me, say, said not, oh, that we had, uh, we had of his flesh, we cannot be satisfied. In other words, it's almost like they wanted to repay uh, uh, you know, and, and, and seek revenge over the enemies. It gives us a good indication what kind of man Job was. Perhaps saying, let's leave this with God. If we ever fought... It would be under God's command. Back in the, old, in, in the old times, God did have wars that would be taking place only because the enemies will come against God's people as they sought the promised land. And so it, so it was with, in, in, Nehemiah, in Nehemiah's days when they were building the wall. Nehemiah had a, a hammer in one hand, a sword in the other hand, ready to fight, to defend themselves but never to pursue revenge. Never, to heart, never had a heart full of malice. And this is what God looks at, doesn't he? Looks at the heart full of malice, envy, revenge. Wasn't found in Job. Ah, was he capable of doing it? Yes, of course he was. Are we capable of doing it? Yes, but it ought not to be found. Um, as a matter of fact, remember the list that Paul gives to the Ephesians? A whole heap of lists saying this ought not to be named, not one of them among you, amen? Ought not to live like this in the house of God. 
Number 10, Job was a man of hospitality. He loved his neighbor. He loved people. Look at verse 32. The stranger did, did not lodge uh, in the street, but I opened my doors to the traveler. When there was one that was seeking refuge and someone that had, again, a genuine uh, need, Job was uh, ready to open up his home and house them. He was living out what the Hebrew writer wrote. Amen? The Hebrew writer wrote in verse 1, that brotherly love continue, be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. And so Job did that. Number 11. As we get to the closing... Job did not have a life of hypocrisy. He wasn't living a double life. In verse 33, if I covered my transgression as Adam by hiding my iniquity in my bosom. Wow. So he knew what Adam did. What did Adam do when he fell? What did Adam and Eve do when they fell? They went and what? They hid. So I'm not hiding anything. I'm transparent. I'm open. Uh, I'm not trying to cover my sin. And by the way, if we were to cover our sin, it ought to be covered with the mercy of God. Amen? But God gives mercy only those that reveal their sin. Verse 13, He that covereth his sin shall not prosper. But whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have, uh, shall have mercy. Oh, you come on, Job. There's got to be a sin somewhere you're covering. You're not prospering for a reason. No, I know this. And I'm open. I'm not running away. My life is an open book. I'm here. I haven't hid any. I'm not, I'm not playing an Adam. I'm not hiding. I'm not hiding my sin, nor am I hiding from God. As a matter of fact, he appeals for God to step in later on. Nothing stopped Job from confessing his errors if he had them. Look at verse 34. Did I fear a great multitude? Or did the contempt of families terrify me? That I kept silent and went, on, and went not out of the door? No, the fear of man uh, did not deter uh, Job from confessing and forsaking his sin in, in a public manner if he was guilty of it. No, he feared God more than he feared man. He, he, there was one thing that was uh, on Job's heart. He could not be out of sorts with God. He hated sin. He eschewed it. He did not uh, desire to live a life of hypocrisy. He wasn't doing anything in secret. He wasn't, uh, if they had the internet in his day, looking at uh, wicked things on the internet. He wasn't doing anything, anything of that nature, like we have it today. But both young and old, male and female, having Sodom and Gomorrah in their bedroom. He wasn't doing that. One click away. You say, oh, sister screen, no, it's wicked. Oh, I'm not doing it in reality, you know, I'm not going and doing the real thing. No, it's just as bad. It's just as bad. You know, Job didn't want to serve God just because he wanted to be blessed. He wasn't in the prosperity gospel movement. No. He wanted to serve God for God. Look, in closing, let me just say this. There is a specific thing that speaks volume about God, uh, Job's character. You know what it was? That in the face of major loss, I'm, I'm talking about major loss, and fiery accusations coming from all directions, Job maintained an integrity before God. Didn't move, was not moved by the loss wasn't moved by the accusations, if you will. He maintained his integrity. Listen, when Satan went to God and said, hey, and accused Job before God and said, you know why Job is worshipping you? Did you know why uh, Job is loyal to you? He's only loyal to you because you blessed him. Look at the wealth, look at the family, look at his health. You take that away, watch him curse you to your face. That's what he said. Yeah. Second of all, his, his wife uh, simply accused Job, if you will, uh, or let me say this, accused the God of Job before Job. Hey, Job, why don't you just curse God and die? Why do you maintain or regard your integrity? Curse God and die? Why are you still blessing God, praying, praying to this God? Can't you see what's taking place? You're still retaining your integrity? You're still living upright? You're still eschewing evil? You're still bowing down? 
he had this wife to deal with. Imagine that. You're trying to live a godly life and your wife is like the world. Looking, God, looking at God like as if God is this, you know, unmerciless God. And then has these three friends or four, three, whatever, that come along, say, come on, Job, tell us. Taking cracks at him from this angle, that angle, that angle, come on. Come on, tell us what you do. Bang, bang, bang. And in the face of all that, in the face of why does bad things happen to godly people? Tell me. I'll tell you why. Because Job loved God for God. That's why. And the sinful nature of man wants to worship God for what he can get from God. And the moment he doesn't get, you know why Job was a righteous man? Upright before God, and God says, look, there's no one like him, not one in his day. Because he loved God for God. As a matter of fact, he went all the way to rebuke his wife and call her, you foolish woman. You want to read it? It's there, I think. But he said unto her, Thou speakest as one of a foolish woman speaketh. Today we're afraid to rebuke our wife like that. You know why? Because the pants may come up and her crawls, and then she would make him feel like, you're sleeping on the couch today. Oh, the Bible says better sleep in the, on the rooftop than to sleep with a woman like that. Because she doesn't let him be the man that God has called him to be. You're speaking like a foolish woman. Look at this. He stands up with God. What shall we? He says, "What shall we receive good at the hand of God, and shall we not receive evil?" Look at this. And and in all this did not Job sin with his lips. He knew what kind of world we live in. He was tested. Because the first accusation against Job was you're just serving God to get out of God. And he passed the test. He passed the test. He was serving God, listen, for God. He went as far as saying this. If God were to slay me, what did he say? Though he slay me, I will what? Trust him. Wow. <laughs> because that was the one thing, my friends, that God said to Satan, you cannot take. And by the way, fear him. Fear not him that can kill the body, but fear him that can kill the body and soul in hell. But that was one thing that he says you're not touching. But even if God gave permission to Satan to take his life, he said, I will still trust him. Wow, what a man. Have you considered my servant, servant Job? There's no one like him. No. That was a man that was walking in good works in his day and loving God for God because he's merciful. You know, when you see the mercy of God in its true light, you will step back and say, I don't deserve anything from the hand of God but, but, but judgment. You know what? I, I should be condemned. I can't even believe God is blessing me. I should be condemned. Not blessed. But God has showed mercy to me. And God has showed mercy to you and me. We're still here, aren't we? Uh, God sent his son, didn't he? What, what do you want from God? What do you want from him? What would it take? What would it take for you to love God and serve God? What, what, what would it take? His only begotten? 
He gave heaven's best and you're still not happy? What do you want? I'll tell you why people are not happy. Because they love their sin more than his son. But Job loved God more than his sin. And that's what makes a righteous man. To hope and trust in the Lord. For therein is the righteousness of God. Faith has always been that. Faith has always been that. Though he slay me, I will trust him. If he takes my very life, I will trust him. May God give us the grace to continue to serve the Lord in the face of adversary and love God all the way to our grave. Amen? Yes, all the way to our grave. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because he is with me. And my rod and staff, they comfort me. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. See, David got it. All men of God get it. All men of God get it. They've understood his grace. They've understood his love. They've understood his holiness, everything. We don't deserve anything from God. But God has been gracious to us. He's been good to us. He's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him and uphold him for who he is. He's a good God. He's a merciful God. He's a loving God. And the psalmist said, Oh, how is this God mindful of me who created the stars and the moon? He thinks about me. Wow. May God help us live to serve a God in the beauty of holiness and to fear him always whether we are blessed with tangible things or not with good health or not with money or not we should say as we say to our spouse when we've married them for rich or for poorer i will serve you and i will love you and i will do good all the days of my life for your glory god because you're worthy he is worthy amen Let's pray.